0: Hello there and welcome back to another episode of Thanks Morris. I am Marie the SLP. Friends, today on the podcast, I am so, so excited to announce that we have the one and only SLP Steven here. That's right, Steven Groner is gonna talk to us all about how he treats stuttering like a boss. We may even get into the brain science of it all for you guys, and I am not sorry about it. Steven is an amazing, amazing SLP. He's done so many amazing things for the speech-language pathologist community in helping us find the resources we need to treat our fluency clients. And so, without further ado, let's talk to steven all right we are here with slp steven because i don't want to uh i can't go by any other name for you you (laughs) are slp steven (laughs) i am stoked that you're here oh my gosh i'm Um, so pumped yes thank you so much
1: you're so welcome Um,
0: <laughs> so I guess just tell us a little bit about yourself, why you became an SLP. Mm. I don't know. But what, how whatever information you want to share with us.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, well, I started to stutter when I was three years old. And um, so I've stuttered since then. And I was I was like I was like one of those kids that could switch words like a boss and just like, I don't know, like like somehow slipped. Through the cracks in like school. So I never actually got speech, speech therapy in school for my stuttering. Um, Cause I could, I, I, I could sort of pass, but it was, it was so hard to get my thoughts and words out. I just, I just had to do like so much work. I say it's like, it's like, it's like doing like mental backflips, trying just to get any thought or like, or like sentence out. So um, by the time that I was 17, I had had enough, like I was done being sort of mocked and made fun of at the lunch table. I was done um, having like a super hard time, like talking out in class. Uh, I I was done, um, you know, like worrying about uh, if I could get a job in like the future or like how I would do college. So, uh, I went to, once my, you know, went to our good friend, Google, and just searched help for stuttering. And, uh, about three months later, I was at a two week long intensive, um, fluency shaping, um, stuttering, uh, course basically, and came out being able to talk like I can now. I mean, there were times in my life where i couldn't say my own name so i would i would meet someone new and they would say the, they would say their name and then i would go to say mine and say hi i'm S- 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 steven which is like if you've never had to meet someone new and like get stuck on your name like you like don't know how it feels to like know what your name is but like not be able to say it so that was like one of hands down the best gifts that I've been given in my whole life is the the gift of of easier speech and um, it doesn't mean that I don't still stutter now or that I don't still have to work, uh, but it's a whole lot easier than it used to be, so th- that i sort of I sort of knew then that i would make a good speech pathologist so I could give back for, you know, the like gift that I've been given since I'd sort of like lived it. But I sort of ran from that for a while because I was scared that I would be a bad speech pathologist because I still stutter. But finally, when I was a junior in college, I said, no, you know what, like this is what I want to do. So I applied to graduate school, um, went to Vanderbilt in Nashville and, um, when I got out of there, uh, I actually did my, my CF in the sniffs. Um, I like really felt a lot of kinship with, um, patients who had, had strokes and who, and who had aphasia and like, couldn't say their names or their like wife's names or, you know, things like that. So it was really fun to get to like work with them. Um, but then, you know, I said, you know, I thought like I got into this field to help people who stutter. So that's what I should be doing. And so about two years ago in 2018, I launched my um, launched my Instagram um, at SLP.Steven. Um, I have a really, uh, a really dumb and kind of like silly last name. Uh, so I don't actually put that on there. Um, and yeah it honestly it it was so cool just to get to share like my own life, what I've walked through, things that I learned, um, and get to actually then kind of move into move into private practice where I just got to work with fluency clients which is like my bread and butter um so yeah so that's what i do now i help um i help other speech pathologists uh learn how to treat stuttering well and then i also um treat um people with fluency difficulties as well and um it's a whole lot of magic yeah
0: yeah and, and you don't just help us treat it well. You help us treat it like a boss.
1: Oh, thanks. You have to say it. <laughs> you know, I just I just sort of like thought up that little like tagline and it's just. I love I guess, it. Because I, I always I, think that it, like now. Like, tons like, and tons of times now.
0: Yeah. Fluency is, it's funny. I like to bring people on here. Not only that, like, I mean, I've met so many great uh, SLPs over Instagram that I'm just like, can we just all be friends in can real we just life?
1: just be friends? Yeah.
0: And, friends. um, but then it's really cool. You know, I've had, um, Allison from EI teletherapy work, talk about feeding and swallowing. And then you, I'm like, you guys are teaching me about the things that I'm a little bit more scared to treat. Um, yeah. and I'm so grateful for that because I, fluency, it, 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 I just have always had a hard time with it. I think because there's so many different, ways you can treat it and then you have it's so client specific
1: yes hugely hugely yeah and it's you know it 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 makes me like like sort of sad it sort of like pains me that so many speech pathologists are scared of stuttering i mean when i when i sort of think about the start of our field like it came out in the in the you know the like the 19 like 40s and like 50s like i a huge, like a huge bulk of, you know, kind of those first steps into our like field came from work done to help those who stutter. So I, I, it, it does make me sad that there is so much fear when there doesn't have to be. Um, Although you are right that there are tons of things that you can do to help and knowing which things to do and when and how can be really like, paralyzing um but as someone who has received really great stuttering speech therapy it's so like needed so to sort of like just just like to sort of give it a pass and not 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 like i don't know like 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 not do it well um, you know, that's, I feel like that's a bit of a disservice too. Cause like mm-hmm. we so need it. Like we so need help. Um, yeah. So it's sort of my goal to make that all just yeah. a bit, um, easier.
0: Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And I'm, like I said, I'm just grateful because it's helped me like, not just like in getting to know you, but I'm like, it inspires me when I see, you know, hear your story, but then also like you have this like really tangible stuff to offer. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going to, like, I think I downloaded your preschool like handout off your website back. Yeah. Like last fall. And I was like, this is amazing because it really, it just, it outlines it and I don't feel as like, like, I have to dig deep into this research, which no. is overwhelming. When oh, well,
1: yeah, it is.
0: You know, I'm a school-based speech pathologist with a handful <laughs> of kids who time. stutter, and yeah. yeah, and then I have all these phonology kiddos, like, <laughs> yeah. and so I'm like, I have all this research I need to do for them, but it's nice to have, you know, the SLPs that are like, no, like, I've I know this stuff, like i I specialize in it, so here you here go I'm gonna make your life easier
1: yeah yeah that's and that that was one thing that i that I did not see kind of out there was like just like really, really like practical stuff about how to treat stuttering there's there's a lot of stuff that to me being both a, a speech pathologist and a like and a person who stutters seems a bit vague a bit gray a bit uh like it's just just can I just have a few steps that I can just do like step by step and like see if it helps and like see if it works and I didn't really see that and I was like but but why not like it's not it's 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 there it's just um I don't know it wasn't Uh, it wasn't seen I don't know so I said well you know what I'm just gonna do it and uh, we'll you know like we'll just see if it helps and it seems to have so I'm really really glad for that
0: yeah no it's it's awesome gotta tell all the people about it because I have a I have actually Meredith from peachy speechy to thank for sharing your account with me. <laughs> She's
1: the bomb. I, love I know. Her. I love her. Gosh, I love the stuff that she makes. She's mm-hmm. insane. That's
0: She's crazy. so awesome. But at her oh, conference yeah. last fall, I went and she was like right away, like, I don't care if you guys get out your phone, but everybody go follow SLP Steven. <laughs> And I did, I was like, okay. That's so
1: funny. You were there <laughs> yeah, because I, was there. I think that she played like a few like videos that yeah. I had sent her or something. That's yeah. so funny. Oh my goodness. What, a, what a small world. I
0: know I've, I've known you for quite a while, Stephen. <laughs> she's oh,
1: awesome. Yeah. So thank she's, you her.
0: she's great. Um, Okay, I'm going to transition this a little bit because I really want to talk about this because I'm a huge brain Let's, do it. Let's um, do it. But a little while ago, I guess like the beginning-ish of the summer or so, you were posting a lot about research on fluency and the brain. And the one, I mean, I remember a lot of things from my fluency course in grad school, but the one thing that stuck with me were like images of like the brain in people who stutter and people who don't stutter. And it just, I was always like, that's so interesting to see it like that because there's a lot going on neurologically, um, mm-hmm. that you don't, you may not realize. Um, and there's so many, so many different things people will say about like, no, it's just, um, maybe anxiety or, oh, you man. know, things like, you
1: don't like, want to get me on this. I, no, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> but, and that's why I want you to explain this because, um, there are, there are things that show those differences. And again, I just want to learn more from you yeah. because this stuff excites me. So, so
1: one of the things, one of the things that I can't, that I cannot stand is when I hear we don't know the cause of stuttering. We don't know why we, we just don't. Mm-hmm. That is so untrue. Well, okay. So there's, there's this great quote from a, stuttering specialist and their name escapes me which is so bad to like quote someone who you can't actually quote but they but what they said stuck with me so much and it's this it's no speech pathologist should say that they know the cause of stuttering but 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 every speech pathologist should have an should have an opinion as to what it is Mm -hmm. and i thought that was great like Do we know why certain genes mutate and cause like stuttering? No, but, but, but like we know a whole heck, we know, we know so much now about what is likely going on in the brain to cause stuttering or to, to cause stuttering to be expressed. So First and foremost, of course, our brains get get built by instructions in our genes. So we know that there are certain genes. I think, like right now, we know about a number of genes that explain about twenty percent of the variance um, when it comes to like stuttering. So there are there are more genes that we don't know yet, but we do know some, and what it, what it seems like is that the, this, this, this group of genes that mutate and don't quite work right code for what is called the, what is called the, the endosomal, like, like, excuse me, it's a long one, the <laughs> the endosomal lysosomal system which sounds really scientific but basically it's just the recycling unit of the cell um making sure that trash gets burned basically and things that can be reused are reused um and it seems like that that these that these genes that we found to 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 be involved in stuttering um Make it so that that system doesn't work right in a in a specific population of cells, most notably in the basal ganglia, which is a subcortical structure um, that sits kind of inside of the brain, um, and it is responsible for many things. One of which is um, is proper movement. Um, and one of the things that it does for speech is it it helps to give, to, to kind of make and give a rhythm and cadence to our speech. So just like when a band plays, they have a drummer that helps to keep them all in time, our basal ganglia helps to do the, do the same thing when we talk. We don't We don't think about our speech kind of kind of moving to a rhythm because it's not song, but it is still there and it's it's internal. And so what we think is that the basal ganglia uh, in those of us who stutter can't do that as well thanks to these to these um to these genes that have mutated and so what that causes then is um the sounds that we hear as stuttering um and that's that's it's it is hard to study very very young children who are very close to their onset of stuttering Mm -hmm. but that's like 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 that's that's what we need to do because then you'll see like what is the cause of stuttering not what is the brain's response to stuttering which is sort of what you see if you look in the brains of of uh, of adults who stutter like me so that's that's a like very very like simple look at like what might be kind of that first kind of causal mechanism for stuttering. Um, And then it sort of goes on from there. But that's like that's what that that is our most likely thought about how like stuttering starts. So to say that we don't know like what the what the cause is, while it might be technically true, it sort of disregards all of this knowledge that we do have um, that could like really help you know us and our clients to get a better grasp on stuttering.
0: Yeah, I think that's so, I'm just mind blown right now. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, hey, I know it's this like is amazing. a lot of like terminology. I'm no, like,
0: well, I told I I do geek out over it. Um, I know,
1: I'm like a total nerd too when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. I no. like can't say half of the words that are that are in all the uh, papers that I read, but oh my <laughs> gosh, I love to read them. If you if you want to read, if you like, don't have time to really do a deep dive, but you want uh, you want more of like of kind of what I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to read one researcher, and her name is Sue. S O O dash Chang, and she's at Michigan. She was at Michigan State, and now she's at she's at Michigan. And she is hands down like my favorite stuttering researcher. She is doing brain scans on five and six and like seven year old children who stutter, oh, awesome. and is oh my gosh, she is like coming out with like what I what I feel like is the like cutting edge when it comes to stuttering. Oh, cool. So go and check her out because she does a much, much better job than I do. So she's she she actually is the bomb.
0: Cool. Okay. Thank you for that resource. That's (laughs) awesome. I'm totally going to go look it up, I think. Yeah, do it. Do it. Um, (laughs) I'm like all excited. I just recently (laughs) listened to another podcast about how the brain works with adrenaline and sleep and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And now – this, I'm like, okay, our brains are amazing. And like getting to know what's going on in there is just, oh my it's so important.
1: It um, is, it is so nuts how much that, how much that they do like all day long in the, in the like background that, wow, oh, it's just, it, it, life is just so nuts. Like just the fact that we can sit here and breathe and talk and, and have this, <gasps> conversation is just mind-boggling to me. So the fact that so much of it goes right and then I have like a slight stutter, like, I mean, like so much is going right. And there's just this, there's just this, this like small bit that got tweaked, um, you know, and makes it so that it's, so that it's more difficult for me to speak. Um, But thankfully, because there are brains There are so many things that we can do to help them and help them grow and, and help them to work better. Um, And of course, that's what, you know, that's what we do. So,
0: right. (laughs) No, exactly. Um, And then, okay, there was something in one of your posts about, I'm just curious about dopamine levels.
1: Oh, Um, And the reason
0: I bring this up and I really want to talk about it is because in the podcast I listened to the other day, he was talking a lot about dopamine and how it affects your ability to learn. Um, Yes. And and so I was like, because he was talking a lot about like little kids and learning language and speech. Whoa. So, yeah. So I like, and it was like, totally, I didn't mean to listen to this podcast like two days (laughs) before you came on. Um, But I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. So can you explain that a little bit more, I guess? Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So what I just sort of like talked about is sort of the base mechanism for what might cause like stuttering to first kind of be expressed. But then then comes dopamine. So the basal ganglia, of course, um, can be highly influenced by the neurotransmitter dopamine Um, and without going into the the direct and and indirect pathways through the basal ganglia just know that um know that more dopamine can increase motor activation and um, lower levels of dopamine uh, inhibit motor activation. So normally, um, dopamine levels in the basal ganglia are low, and they but they're they are very highly regulated to uh, to allow for um, good like learning. Basically, so if if we do something, if we move and that movement does what we want it to, what we expected it to do, and we are rewarded for the like goodness of that like movement, then we'll get a bump of dopamine. but if that if that like movement doesn't do what we hoped um, and we don't achieve our goal then dopamine is lowered there's there's there is not as much of it um that is released so when it comes to stuttering when stuttering starts say that i you know that i want to say look mommy at that cow but i say look mommy at that cow that like that movement saying the sound um didn't go as I'd hoped it, didn't. it didn't, it did not work very well. Um, And it, it, it was not as rewarding as if I just said, look, mommy at that cow. So Mm -hmm. then the thought is that that can lead to less dopamine in the basal ganglia, which then might lead to even more weakening of that of that motor behavior, so if I have a hard time saying cow once, next time, I may have even more of a difficult time saying cow because my brain missed that that little boost of dopamine the first time around, and that I think is why if you if you work with clients who stutter um, you will learn very very quickly that they that they tend to have certain speech sounds that they fear like the plague and they will try mm-hmm. so hard not to say those speech sounds and my thought is because it was it may have been hard for them to say that like for me it's k it's g it's d it's r um so like my my thought is that i stuttered on those due to a Uh, Due to a timing difficulty in my basal ganglia, but then I lost out on that necessary dopamine to help me learn how to how to make those those sounds well. And so then it it got it got more and more difficult. And that's like like that's when you start to build up lots of tension. That's when you start to do weird things with your eyes and with your mouth and with your arms and legs to try to get sounds out so so that i think that then leads to kind of the whole rabbit trail of things that you get on top of just a stuttering like this Mm -hmm. fluency um so yeah it's it's huge and challenging to say the least oh my goodness
0: ah dang
1: <laughs> I'm, now not, like none of this is from me um there right. was a great researcher his name is per alm I, I believe he's german alm spelled a-l-m and he was he was like one of the first back in 2004 to write a paper that sort of outlined his hypothesis of dopamine's role in speech and stuttering um and then his work is has has been built on, uh, since then. Uh, but yeah, it sort of like blows my mind to sort of think about, so you can, you can just, you can start to stutter, but then on top of that, you can, that it can, it can just build and build and build and build and build. And then we get, you know, the stuttering iceberg, you know, and all those things that kind of gets built on top of the, the more simple Stuttering like disfluencies.
0: Yeah. So for like that, I guess you know because I'm preschool or an early intervention and all of that. And you know we say for speech and language, early intervention is key for a lot of things. Early intervention is key. But then if you think about it in this way, with like kind of that information about starting early when stuttering is first (laughs) noticed, so we can kind of you know limit that almost just the tension and the the child or the individual's concept of everything going on to help the communication flow i guess
1: right yeah so so mo so four out of five children who start to stutter will recover from it like on their own without help from us so our brains are actually really good on their own at sort of tweaking this and like fixing it um, as we grow up. But that that still leaves one out of five kids who start to stutter who who will keep on stuttering without our help. And so that that sort of means well we should help them all as much and as quickly as we can to try to to, to try to either speed up what would have been their natural recovery, and or also catch those who would not have, and give them the help that they need right. to recover. And um, of course, it was it it has been longly held that you should wait 12 months, you should wait a year before you assess a child who stutters, just to see if they'll if they'll recover on their own. And actually, recently that got bumped. Well, not actually like. Not that like recently, like back in 2016, I know there was a paper done where they say actually just wait six months. If if it's if it's gone after six months, great. If it's still there, then you can start to treat. But I know that J. Scott Yaris, I believe he gave a talk at at ASHA last year, um, saying that he has some data that's. That's not in press yet, but that um, that, may su- that may support that we don't even have to wait the first six months. that if a parent comes to us with with concern uh, for stuttering, that we can that we can assess and then make the choice whether to treat or not like right then. Um, and so whenever that comes out, I will for sure um, recommend that, because really, think if you were a mom or dad and your child starts to stutter and can't get their thoughts and words out. And you're told, just, just wait and kind of hold for six months and then come back and see us. Like that is so like not helpful, especially when most of the early therapy that you'll do for a, for a preschool child is with their parents um, to, to change how they talk to make things less stressful for the child so that their brain has more time um, to get their thoughts and words out and can sort of learn how to be more fluent um, just by changing the parent's speech. So I, you know, they're, um, what's his name? Barry Good, Good, guitar um from his textbook back in 2013 back in 2013 he um he lists basically nine risk factors for persistent stuttering so when sort of trying to tell who's at who's at the highest risk of risk of being um that 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 one in five um Like child whose stuttering won't go away naturally, um, he says that there are nine things. And the more of these that they have, the sooner, I would say, you should evaluate. So um, number one is a family history of stuttering, Mm -hmm. especially persistent stuttering. Um, Being male, uh, having what's considered a late stuttering onset which i know this won't sound like it's very late to you maybe but um starting to stutter after the age of three and a half is 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 late actually so by three and a half about 95 percent of all stuttering onsets have have already happened so if oh. they start after three and a half which which I know sounds like actually like pretty young, but that's that's late um, when it comes to stuttering. That is a risk factor for persistence. Um, number four is um, stuttering not not starting to go down within 12 months, and that's sort of paired with number five, which is just time since the onset mm. of stuttering being being more than one year. Um, number six is the presence um, of more than three repetitions on average. so 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 so, so like that is yeah. more kind of puts you more at a risk than so so. what do you think of that? So mm-hmm. having having more of those repetitions, also having pro, having prolongations and blocks um, at that like young age. Uh, also kind of put you at risk of persistence. Um, also having poor articulation skills um, and um, and having a sensitive temperament. Um, those are eight and nine. Uh-huh. So the more of those that a child has, the sooner I would say that you should assess them, even if you're within that six month span. Um, from the onset of their stuttering it's 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 not going to hurt the kid to assess them and then say actually why don't we just wait why don't we just track their speech for the next three or four months and you know you can start doing maybe a b and c with them and like it's it's not going to hurt them to be assessed sooner and i think the the good that can be gained from doing that far far outweighs any any bad um as long as um as long as it's as it's not hard for the parents to pay for it um yeah. so if they you know if they if they can't shake it then you know maybe say well let's wait until it's been six months and we know that they're actually more at risk now and that we actually need um to actually do one so yeah sorry i'll uh i'll get off this my- i have i I feel as if I have a lot of stuttering soap boxes. Um just just because and you know, like I am biased towards like my own life just as you are towards yours. So based off of the life that I've lived, you know, I I have some strong opinions on what's right or wrong or good and bad, you know, and I'm sure that I could be wrong ab- about about half of the thoughts that I have. Um, <laughs> but I try not to be. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and you've done your research and yeah, you've lived it. I mean, it's, it's hard not to have those strong opinions when you've literally went 17 years of your life, yeah. you know, without, yeah. you know, any, um, without oh I just forgot what word I was going to say uh, without any help. Yeah. Intervention is what I was Sorry,
1: Sorry. I should not have tried to finish your sentence because I <laughs> not do that for those of us who stutter. Um, so sorry. I just went against my own.
0: <laughs> I don't mind. My it's- own rule. <laughs> It's early for me. Well, kind of not anymore, but it was early. So <laughs> I, I needed the help. Um, okay, but okay. no, I think that's actually one of the things I tell parents when like if their little one starts to stutter and they're like, can you do an assessment? You know, I always, I try to first like have a conversation with them and, you know, I'll do a little interview and talk about, okay, well, what's, yeah. you know, how old and is there a family history and all this stuff? And then I'll say, here, let me give you some strategies now. Um, and one of those I things is, yeah, like, just give them time and don't finish their sentences. Don't Boom. make them feel like they're doing something, or they're communicating the wrong way or anything like right.
1: that. Or, yeah, or that they should be stressed to try to get it out, yeah. like, quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. that's for- that's That's great. I mean, even that, even saying just – slow like slow your speed of speech down give them time you know like give them three or like four things and say you know just just sort of like just sort of start just sort of start with that and kind of like run with it for the next few months and then if things you know get worse or stay hard then you can always come back I think that that I mean that there is so much value in that um that i don't think that it should be that it that it should be passed by
0: right like i would want the parents to feel like you can you know you can work on these things at home and maybe we do need to do an evaluation and that's totally fine you know
1: yeah right um
0: but i i never want them to feel like they can't start start with some indirect
1: thing yeah yeah i mean like think if, think if you went, I don't know, think if you went to like someone and you asked them for help and they said, oh, well, it, it like could be serious or it could not. Why don't you just wait and come back to me in six months? You'd be like, well, well, that didn't really help me at all. But if they said, all right, just start with A, B, and C. And like, like, I don't, I don't see why we can't just get, like, help parents first and fast and, like, quickly, um, I, I don't know. It it just, it, like, it, like, never quite, quite sits well with me to say, oh, let's just wait for six months and see. I don't know. Like, that to me just, I don't think that, that that's what I'd like to be told as a dad if I went to who I thought was a specialist and said, I am concerned and I'd like some help if I can have some and to just be told to kind of wait, I don't know. I would just, that no. that's, that's not what I would like to hear. So I, I don't tend to actually say that to right. my parents.
0: No, I've always, I will always advocate for giving the parents the tools they need like yeah. on the spot, like regardless of if we cause I mean, for me, you know, in the school district, our evaluations can go up to 60 days. That's two months.
1: Oh, well, yeah. After. Well, yeah, exactly.
0: And Shoot. so you know, that's our timeline. We get from the time it's signed to 60 days to assess the child. And there's, especially in preschool when that's they're
1: a, little. That's like, oh my gosh, that's like years when it comes. Yeah.
0: To like and there's people. so much development that could happen. So I'm yeah. always, you know, um, I'm always like, well, here's what you can do now because yeah. we don't want to wait two months, you know? And usually we try, like I, we all do our best to like, Within a month, like really let's get this done.
1: Yeah. You don't you don't want to like, drag out
0: Yeah, but I mean, but sometimes that's our scheduling, you it's know. True. And yeah. it's yeah. just the way it works and we can't start services until a plan is signed. So Yeah. yeah. But that's why it's really important to give those parents and the yeah. teachers sometimes give if them they're the in the goods,
1: you know. Just, yeah, like, just, just give it give away. The exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: There's no harm I love in that. that.
1: No, there there is none. Exactly. So that's actually like what i tend to do in fact i mean i can't even like tell you the last time when i've actually told a like parent let's wait and come back to it i think that i i don't know i just i i have them like come in and i assess them and then i then we talk about if if I should wait to start services or not, but to wait to get the eval, I usually don't even like do that because they called you because they're, because they are concerned and they want help. So yeah, I always kind of take that like first step. And then if I like truly think that, that there's, that, that we should wait, then like, that's, that's when I'll like talk about, Hey, we could wait, you know, a month or two or three um but yeah to i i in fact it's been years since i since i've told one out oh, just wait and like <laughs> give me a call in six months like i don't know it's that's, that's yeah it, it just seems dumb to me yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> plain and simple uh, there we go <laughs> um so then and another like big question I've come across in the last couple of years is with treatment of, especially with preschoolers, cause that is where I'm at, but also, mm. you know, when I was in the elementary schools working with, um, kindergartners, like kindergartners, third graders, how, I guess I've been told by just other speech pathologists and my mentors and stuff, like in treatment, we want to be as. Depending on how young they are, like the younger they are, be more indirect with treatment, and then as they get older, because and I guess it would make some sense, like as you realize that it's more, uh, it's a there's more severity to it, yeah. Then you would start working on like all the fluency shaping and the stuttering modification stuff techniques.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm so yes, I am completely on board with that. I mean, there has been there's been so much research that shows that preschool children's brains being as young and and malleable as they are can change in response to their environment without without doing any like direct techniques with them also at the age of three or four i don't think that i could have done any of the more like direct techniques Um, it's just, it's hard at that, at that age. Um, so what I do is, is I always teach parents first, like my, my big two, and that is we find a way for them to slow the rate of their speech down and we find ways for them to reduce the demands that they put on their child's communication. So, you can slow your rate of speech down in a whole slew of ways you can add more pauses in proper spots that slows your whole sentence down or you can just you can speak without those pauses but just try to slow the articulation of your words down to about 75% speed, which I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. You can also slightly stretch out the first syllable in the first word of an utterance to sort of build in a bit more time there instead of just, just kind of running through. I mean, there, there are all sorts of ways that I teach moms and dads that, that they can slow the rate of their, of their speech down. And then I just, we just find the one that works best for them. And then I just say, just, just, just do more of that. Um, And then of course, there are a lot of ways that, that they can change what they say to their child um, besides just slowing their own speech down a bit that can help to take off some of the like stressors that a small child might feel um, as they try to speak. Um, and they're like stuttering so I mean you can make sure that they put their phone down at least once and just have like one-on-one time without any distractions with their like child of course let 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 them take the lead in what gets played with and what gets sort of talked about Um, of course don't try to complete their sentences Um, but, you know, don't ask as many questions instead, make more comments um, if you do and when you do, because like we have to ask questions like sometimes ask, ask, close questions, uh, you know, that can be a yes or no or or just one or two words and not um, and not um, sort of a long, a long open ended um, question make sure that you leave um brief pauses in between con- in between conversational turns mm. just to kind of slow down kind of the whole rate of the conversation i mean there there are a ton of things that you can do yeah. so i just i just sort of like teach all of them and then parents tend to like one or two or three i don't know that just works with them that yeah that feel good. And then I'm like, all right, like, let's just do that. Um, and that's, that's what I start with. And even, even just like, just, just doing that, um, for a few weeks, a few months can help so much. Mm. Uh, and yeah, there, there then there then are more things that, that you can do that are a bit more direct. Um, but I, I always start with those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so that would be like the parents are modeling that kind of, I guess, uh, speech and language. Yeah. Same thing yeah. as I would tell them for a language. Child, yeah, like, right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then, and it's it. Yeah, you're right. It sort of shows them how they can talk um, to sort of ease up on any okay. of the stress like that's on their their speech, and then just having more more time for their brains to do what their brain has to do for them to speak fluently also helps them to speak more like more fluently as well. Okay. Um, So yeah, so it's, I mean, it is nuts. I like wish that, that I, I wish that my brain were still as plastic as like a four year old because I could learn so many things so quickly uh, if that were the case.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to send you that podcast I listened to. Yeah, with, please do. Uh, because he talks about it like as if like we can still. I mean, I don't, I I don't know how accurate what? it is. But what's his name, Andrew Hubert Herbert? I don't know. He's from Stanford. Um, he was on the Joe Rogan show, which is where I heard it. But nice. he talks about just different ways that we can kind of train our brains to and it ha- has all to do with all that dopamine stuff and yeah. adrenaline and all this weird stuff and i'm like this is interesting so i'll oh I'll send gosh. it to you yeah um, i'm gonna
1: yeah wow, might, that sounds you might just so
0: find fun. it just like okay maybe i'll try a few
1: things <laughs> yes um, yeah especially cuz now that i'm a dad of a 2 year old like oh, yeah. my my brain feels like slop most of the time <laughs> so yeah that would be great actually thank you yeah
0: bro. i'll send it to you um and we i mean you kind of talked a little bit about just doing those like indirect things and so as the child gets older and they're still maybe in speech therapy and we're like okay we have to we're seeing that you know we're gonna need a little bit more strategies and we have to call more maybe attention to it when do you kind of know like okay let's start being more direct
1: yeah so so it um sort of the next Two techniques that I go to, I would say are more direct, but they're not that direct. So what I what I do next um, after I train parents um, is if if their child still needs help, then I teach what's called syllable timed speech. It can be called beat speech or robot speech. And it really, it's actually like, like pretty new on the stuttering therapy scene. I think the first study that came out was back in 20, 2011, which is not, I mean, yeah, it was nine years ago, but that's <laughs> like, that's not that, that's, that's not that far back when it comes to research, but mm-hmm. um, what it is, is you break up your words into their syllables and just add a brief pause after each one. So you don't, and it's it's done at as much of a normal rate of speech as you can do while still adding in those brief pauses. And what that does is, help to build in that cadence and rhythm that is lacking due to, we think, um, poor functioning basal ganglias um, when, it, when it comes to kids who stutter. And um, it is not meant to be a new uh, speech pattern that, that, that they talk in like 24 seven. Instead, the research says, Um, practicing it uh, for in five five minute spans each day so about 25 minutes a day Mm -hmm. which I know can still be a lot Um, right but I mean you sit and read with them when they wake up you um, talk at lunch about like grandma's house you play with some dolls when they, you know, get up from their nap, and you do it as you read books at night. Like you can, it can be built in. Um, But yeah, where both uh, like mom or dad uh, and the child speak like that, which sort of sounds and feels a bit silly at first. But what it does is help a child be more fluent and stutter less because of that nice beat that's now being input into their speech and as their as their brain experiences that more fluent way of speech it starts to kind of kind of carry over into their normal speech pattern when they're not having their little practice sessions. So that's been found for preschool children um, below the age of six. Uh, it's been found after like nine to 12 months of doing that daily, which I get is a long time. It can reduce stuttering by up to 96%. Wow. Like, which is like, that's like nuts. Um, yeah. So I teach that next. And like, when you teach that, you have to talk about why the the kid has to, like, talk like that. So that's when I start to say – like, that's when I start to sort of talk about stuttering and kind of what it is and what it feels like and how this can help. But it's not really that direct because they don't have to, like – consciously use strategies the whole day while they're talking it's just meant for like for these little bursts of like practice um so while it's more direct than having their mom or dad you know slow their speech down it's not as you know direct as as teaching um fluency shaping techniques and so I guess I think that you asked uh, when sh- when should you start with <laughs> kind of those most direct um, techniques, yeah. and really it can be tough because even kids up to age you know six seven eight can just just kind of not not have the the self awareness skills um, to be able to like monitor their speech in the way that. It sort of needs to be monitored to be able to then implement strategies. I mean, it can still be hard for me, and I'm like 28 years old, to constantly monitor my speech for disfluencies and then choose to use some kind of technique um, to make it easier. So that I feel like that is probably like, hands down the most challenging part of therapy is how do you help? six through eight-year-olds. Because once they get to be nine or ten, they're in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and they can learn and use uh, more direct techniques. Um, so thankfully, uh, the same group that did research, they're based out of, they're based out of Australia, who did research um, into syllable time speech for preschoolers. um, They also did it with school age children and they found that even up up to age 12, it can help to reduce stuttering by a large percentage, just not as much or as well um, as they found with preschool children. Um, So I, I actually use syllable time speech for my school age kiddos as well. Um, and I I sort of start there because again, it's more direct, but it's not the most direct. Um, yeah. So I sort of kind of I sort of use that as a like segue, because they they do then have to change their speech in some way as they're practicing syllable time speech, which kind of helps them learn how to change and make adjustments to their speech which is what they'll be doing um with the most direct techniques um yeah. but yeah so like that age uh sadly to say it it comes down to the kid and it comes down to your clinical judgment <laughs> yeah um, and you know that's i that i think as you said, is one of the reasons why, like, stuttering therapy feels so, like, messy and so scary is because, you know, certain things work for some kids and certain things don't. And you have to sort of, like, try it all and see what works and do more of it. And that does take, you know, good, um, like, clinical judgment and practice. So...
0: Which is true a, for a very
1: long answer for to yeah thoughts.
0: no, and it's you know, and I don't mean to discredit like you know working with kids with language goals and speech sound goals and stuff because yeah. all of those every kid is different every kid kind sure. of needs yeah. them. different yeah but I think you kind of touched on it for me it kind of I kind of clicked I'm like but the reason fluency feels a little bit more challenging and maybe I do get a little bit more scared as a clinician is because these kids have you know they have the sounds and they have the language and there's you see it on their face when they can't get the word out and it breaks my heart. And it's, I don't want to do them a disservice. I don't want to do it wrong because I want them to be successful. I mean, that's what we all want for our students and our clients. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's hard because when it, when it comes to, to speech sounds especially and like language, more of it is unconscious. I well. When it, when it comes to stuttering, especially as you age, there is more of a chance that for the rest of your life, you will have to change your speech in some way. When it yeah. comes to speech, speech sound kids who are seven, they aren't going to have to consciously think about how to make an R sound for the rest of their life as much. The hope is that, of course, by age nine, that they will have normalized. And then are can be unconscious for the rest yeah. of their lives. Yeah. But for those of us who stutter, that is not the, is not the case at all. So, you know, as I have to like work on my speech as I talk to you now, I have to do it when I'm 50, I have to do it when I'm like 90, and yeah. that takes a lot more commitment to therapy than a speech sound kid who's seven who still has to work on his R. Right. so and that so that I, I think that is why it can be so challenging yeah. um I, especially at that young age when they're not say like like 17 like me and like I am you know thinking like I am so ready to get help and yeah. to make a change so yeah, yeah that, it can be t- it can be really really tough
0: yeah. Um, oh yeah, so many things I just want to want to say, but I think even just after talking to you, I feel like I'm like okay, I feel a little bit better equipped just because I feel like I have. <laughs> do
1: please do feel better.
0: Yes. No. And so, um, I, have, I know we're running a little bit short on time, and I I want to I really want to talk about your fluency school program because oh cool. Um, I mean, I know and I, I wanted to ask you like all about stuttering modification versus fluency shaping and, and we can do
1: that too later. Fluency school. Like?
0: Okay. Well, do you have, I mean, like 10 more minutes?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: sorry, Just a little bit of housekeeping. It's okay. Um, no,
1: I talk a lot and I say it's, um, it's to help make up for lost time when I could not talk when I was younger. So now I just have to get all the words out okay. now and whether or not, that's, that's good for you or not. So oh, it's, sorry about that. it's great. Um, this is your time.
0: Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And it's, and you know, as a speech pathologist, like who works with children, who said, it's so exciting to me to have you as not only a resource, but as someone to show them, like, look at my friend, like, you know, and, or even just, that's just so for special. me, just to know, like, this is, you know, my student can that's get like here. possible.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. it so is. And yeah, I feel like that it, it that that does bring tears to my eyes when like you or when you know like someone will say to me like i i showed you to my you know like student and he just thought it was so cool like that you can speak the way that you do and that you say as much as you do like it it just it's sort you know his eyes shone and you know he was so happy yeah, yeah. um so i feel like that's that's a cool way that, I don't know, maybe God or your, like, um, higher, like, power, if you, you know, if you, if you have faith in that, helps to turn things that hurt and things that are, like, painful into good for others. Um, And so I think that's a cool way that all the pain that I've experienced in my life when I couldn't speak very, very, very easily can at least be used for good now, and so you know yeah. there's some good that's kind of come from it. So yeah, thank you so much for saying that. That it yeah, no. does mean a lot to me, like oh. like like more than you know. So
0: oh, yeah, no, it. well I appreciate you, Stephen. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so let's really quick then
1: because
0: yeah. this is one of my biggest <laughs> since grad school: fluency shaping versus stuttering modification. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so... What
0: the heck is the difference?
1: The ba- I know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, basically, the simplest way that I can say it is that is that stuttering modification is not meant to be used all of the time, only when you're near or in a stuttering moment. Fluency shaping skills are meant to be used all the time as you talk to to set up your speech system to avoid the presence of stuttering moments. Okay. Um, so that's sort of the first like, difference, is that fluency shaping means that each time that I, that I open my mouth to speak, I am doing things to help myself not stutter. Whereas if I use more stuttering modification techniques, I just start to talk. Oh my gosh, there's a word that I'm going to get stuck on. What do I do then to get through it? Um, so I would say that it takes more. It takes more work, more of the time to do fluency shaping techniques. Mm-hmm. But you you set you set yourself up, I think, a bit better to not stutter as much. But you you have to work a bit more for it okay like that makes sense um whereas stuttering modification actually i think works works great as well because you just speak fluently until you come to a point where you stutter and then you change kind of what's going on in your speech system Um, i and both both work i mean i could i could i could sit here and do both of them with you like Right now, currently, I'm doing stuttering modification techniques where I'm just like talking until I hit a point where I know that I might stutter and I sound great and I sound fluent. Or I could use fluency shaping techniques where I'm doing something all of the time and I simply bypass a lot of those uh, a lot of those stuttering moments, except for that one that I just had. <laughs> um, so like both work, I am more fluent when I use both. Um, okay. It's sort of like, it's sort of like, do you, if, if we say that, like, that a stuttering moment feels like a trip on a staircase, oh no, something went wrong and I'm like falling. I'm sort of like, I'm out of control would you rather have to work a lot more to not trip at all or know that you can catch yourself when you do each time that you do, but the whole rest of the time you just climb the stairs like normally. Um, So I know that I didn't actually go into like what all of the techniques (laughs) are, but that like, that's how I sort of kind of group them in my mind. Um, No,
0: and I um, think that's super helpful. Yeah, yeah, we you know, and I know like if I look at my, you know, go into my office, I have it all written out Like what is each and what strategies are in each?
1: Sure. Yeah, but
0: to know like when there might be appropriate to teach a child or um, you know, just Yeah, just it just helps me because i'm always like wait. So what should I do right now?
1: (laughs) well, and that's that's the thing is that as as a child gets gets older there there is no right or wrong way to do except what is right or wrong for them so Mm -hmm. like whatever they like is what you do and i i mean while while you get to choose like what you teach first and what you start with and what you like more my the way that I try to do it and try to teach it is like there are there are so many tools to help. So teach them as many or like all of them as you can and then let them pick which ones that they like best and then like and then just like work those into the ground, basically. And then you will have done great <laughs> stuttering therapy because it <laughs> will have been the right kind of stuttering therapy for them.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I needed to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so this kind of leads me into asking you what fluency school is, because this is your program. (laughs) Oh, my God. No,
1: it's I. So. As I said, I was I was sort of like fed up with how scared a lot of speech pathologists were about like about treating stuttering when I knew that there was so much that can help and that had helped me. It just wasn't all in a place that was that was simple enough to be used by speech pathologists who, yeah, like like work in the school and don't have a ton of time to do all this self learning and maybe have will have one or two clients who stutter each year um i i was i was like just sort of like sort of fed up that it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't packaged up in a way that made it simple to learn and then use so i said well what the heck i'll just put like what i know uh online i'll you know give you each step step by step for for each um stuttering treatment technique that I use. I'll give you a quick video of like what it sounds like when, when I use it. And I'll just put up all the handouts that I have so that you could just use those too. And um, so I launched it back in, back in March of last year. So it's been about a year and a half mm-hmm. and like almost 4,000 speech pathologists have said, like, yeah, this is what I need. So, like, I, like, I, like, never in my dreams thought that 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 kind of, like, number, um, you know, that that I could help that many speech pathologists in so short of a time. And I did a very unscientific survey uh, of my followers, and I just asked, like, how many, um Clients who stutter, do you have on your caseload? And the average number was two point four. So that means if we take that number times the four thousand speech speech pathologists who mm-hmm. now have fluency school, I've helped about ten thousand people who stutter in the That's last year awesome. and a half. Which like makes makes my heart feel so good because that's why i got into this field was to do that um and there is no way that i could have helped that many clients in that short of a time so i was glad to help them and and you know glad to help you and it just it just makes my heart feel you know warm that i get to do what Uh i love doing and kind of what i think that i was meant to do so yeah yeah, so you if you if you want to look at that or see if it's if it's right for you uh you can just go to my site. It's SLP with with a P H at or dot dot com. Sorry. Um, S <laughs> L P S T E P H E N dot com. Um, yeah, so that's that's sort of like where I am. And you know, yeah. each day I keep learning to, you know, if I if I read something new or if I have a new client who makes me see, oh, I need that in there, or wow, yeah. like he actually asked for this and I don't have that. Like I need to like make that. Then I just, you know, I just I just add it to um, yeah. fluency school, which I think is cool because um, you seem like the type of person who is a lifelong learner. And, mm-hmm. you know, so am I. So yeah, uh, it's fun to kind of keep it up to date. Um, yeah. And uh, just hope to make it as valuable of a thing for, you know, s- stressed, you know, uh, <laughs> speech, speech pathologists, you know, I mean, especially this year, trying to go back to school in, you know, whatever <laughs> form, you know, that, whatever format that that's going to be, yeah. uh, you know, it can, life, life and work is stressful. So just trying to make it a bit easier, um, you yeah. know, is all that I could hope or, you know, want to do.
0: Yeah. And you recently announced, which is making a lot of us SLPs happy, that you get ASHA CEUs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not So not CEUs. Not CEUs. Okay. You get CEs, which are C-E-S. actually CMHs. But yes, like you can- It's continuing
0: you, education.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's just that you have to re- it um yeah. at the end of like three years but yeah yeah sorry I just can't say that that they're no. CEUs because no. I didn't I, I did not go through all of those hoops of I don't want to get it wrong many it would like make me lose the hair that I have left um, <laughs> if I tried to do that holy moly but yes uh all of what you learn in fluency school yes can get you CEUs yeah. which of course we all need so I mean uh, it's just yeah a-
0: it's just a bonus because really the program itself is what you thank you thank you, know. you. yeah <laughs> yeah it's a bonus but it's good to know because you it know and way. I know like for my district you know if if we're asking for them to help us with funding for certain things like we need to we need to have those continue they need to they, see that right. oh you get this
1: <laughs> oh you get that for this so that means it's yeah. it's a so it's good, good to, to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why it took me a, like a year and a half to add that, but I just did. So I guess I, you know, finally got on my horse. It,
0: it just keeps oh, making that. it more exciting, you know, it's there you like, go.
1: that's how oh, I think of God. things
0: when I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so just more exciting. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank yeah,
1: you. I've had so much, so much. fun.
0: Um, I did put on there that how I want to end this is with Everyone getting to find out one random fact about you that maybe we don't know (laughs) You're a lot like me though Like on instagram and stuff where we just kind of share everything that's going on And
1: then i'm like, I don't have
0: anything random like you all know, but Um, All right.
1: Yeah, so i'm a twin. I have a twin brother who also stutters um, i've been i've been skydiving twice. I I got to go for my for my 18th birthday It was super rad um (laughs) The farthest I've been from home, I did a mission trip in South Sudan when I was in college, which was nuts. Uh, So I guess you get three for the price of one.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, wow, that's thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I am, you know, pretty cool. So I just have so many facts to get.
0: Yeah. No, it's good. Well, I'll make sure that I uh, put your website and your Instagram and everything in the cool. notes, so people can just yeah. click it and it's no right worries. there. Beautiful.
1: Um, hey, this I, has been so much fun. Uh, okay. Thank you for just uh, you know letting me blab, um, especially because uh, I think that I that I need some pragmatics um, therapy with how much I talk. So feel no. feel free to refer me for that if you. Want. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, if you have another hour.
1: Oh, I'm gosh. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it but it's been great. Thank no. you for having me on.
0: Yeah. All right, friends. Well that's the end of this episode of Thanks, Morris. Can we just really quick take a moment and... Thank Steven for joining me for this conversation and sharing his knowledge and giving us some confidence in treating our fluency clients. I am so, so excited going into the school year, especially with all of this knowledge and um, the support from our amazing community. Friends, you can find Steven over on the Instagram at slp.steven in the notes, and on his website as well, slpsteven.com, where you can find all of his resources. He's got some great free handouts for you. And um, you can also find his fluency school program on there as well. So go give that a look. You can find me over at ThanksMorris on Instagram. Remember to go check out ThanksMorris.com and submit your own requests, questions, or um, you know, nominate yourself to come on the podcast. Please don't forget to download, subscribe, rate, review. All of your feedback helps. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and sign off for today. I will talk to you next time.